I'm Justin Snyder. And I'm Stephanie Greenwood Snyder. We're just an average everyday couple. But over the years, we've seen the incredible importance of building community together. We'll be talking with friends and experts about their stories and experiences to help us learn and grow. We don't want to just survive through life. We want to intentionally thrive. This is The Intentional Thriver. Welcome, welcome to Danny and Emily joining us here on The Intentional Thriver. Mm-hmm. How are you guys? We haven't seen you in a while. We're doing well. Yeah, yeah we're doing good. Oh, good. So good. Good, good, good. How are the kids? They're, they're, they're growing. They're, they're growing. growing. All right. Well, yes. well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more as, yes, as we go on. Yes, well, Stephanie and I always love to start off by saying just a few things that we appreciate about you guys. And uh, for people who don't know Danny, what's the best <laughs> way to describe Danny? You are, um, <laughs> I, I, this is going to sound bad, but you're like one of the most immaturely mature people I know <laughs> in that. Like, Thank you. You're, you're, you're welcome. I, I think that's a pretty accurate. I I, Emily, I, am I wrong in saying that? No, that's exactly Okay. It. All right, cool. I feel bad saying that, but it's so true. It's like, true. And it's, you, a, it's a good thing. It's a great you know, thing. Like you really yeah. pull it off well. <laughs> you do. You have that, that childlike humor and innocence. But mm-hmm. like, it's, I mean, ever since I've known you, man, you have matured in like especially in in i think in just how your wisdom in how you view yeah. the world like you're a dad now wild. man yeah <laughs> crazy yeah. and so emily i feel like we've just i remember our first conversation during the um super bowl neither of us were paying attention and we just had a, a really great conversation and i was like big, you're gonna marry this guy fans. and you were like yeah i am <laughs> I, I genuinely think you guys are so perfect for each other. And just even your stories leading up to each other, yeah. which we get to hear in a minute, yeah. is just, I just, I get goosebumps thinking about how perfect you guys are together. And I know that doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make it, you know, a fairy tale, but it really is amazing that um, what you guys have been through and what you guys have uh, purposed in your hearts to do. And I just really appreciate your honesty and your transparency. And I don't feel like I get a fake. I never get a fake Danny or Emily, and that's just a huge, huge um, testimony of, yeah. of who you guys genuinely are. So. Yeah, and we don't want to steal your guys' thunder. Right. So we're going to pass it. it on to you guys uh-huh. now. So if you could tell uh, our audience who who may not know you yeah. just a little bit about who, you know who you guys are, what you do, and then you know dive a little bit into your backgrounds and your stories, your journeys, because, man, you guys have had a journey. Yeah. We've yes. got a journey. Well, my name's Danny, like you said. Um, I guess uh, leading up to um, our story where we are now, like from the beginning, um, I was raised a lot of time by my single mother. And um, and so the reason I say that is because like, I had a stepdad that uh, helped, helped raise me and um, my my father, my real father, wasn't in my life uh, uh, when I was younger. And well, we we have a relationship now, mm-hmm. praise God. Wow. Um, but um, my stepdad kind of helped raise me, even when him and my mom divorced. He still, to this day, you know, like you know, he's a grandfather to our kids now. 
so I realized at a young age that blood didn't really matter um, when it came to being a family. Um, so like, as I got older, I realized, you know, like one day if I could find a, a wife, you know, I don't care um, about having my own, I want to adopt. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell more of my story, but it helps like lead into our story together hmm. and why we chose adoption. Um, fast forward, I, uh, I became a Christian in, well, I, well, I was in high school hmm. and, but I, uh, I kind of started going to church. Um, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was trying to follow the rules and you know, love Jesus, but I didn't have a quite a relationship with him. So when I joined the army, let's just say I wasn't living the full Christian life. Mm-hmm. I was a, I called myself a Christian, um, but my sin of choice what I say is uh, I was having sex with different women. Mm-hmm. I had a sergeant major. She, uh, she said, yeah, you're, you're driving me to, you drive me to church this Sunday. That was the first time I found a like good men's um, ministry, like a, a, a Bible study to go with fellow men and walk through this thing we call life. Mm-hmm. I leave Korea and I'm in Texas and I, get married. Um, we kind of rush our marriage, uh, because I'm about to deploy and my captain comes to me. He's like, you got to take a drive with me. And so I drive with him and we go to the hospital on base and the doctor tells me, he's like, I don't know how to put it, but you have HIV. Mm. And, um, and he's, and I was like, okay, I, I get it. Um, I was living a lifestyle uh, over there before I became a Christian, told my wife, um, she was not having it. Um, so she decided to, you know, leave me and ask for the d- divorce. My future was no longer in the military cause I was no longer able to deploy. So I decided to move down to Melbourne, Florida to join my, uh, my, one of my best friends, Cliff Sanders and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved down here and, uh, they take me to, uh, some community group, meet you guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I decided to go on a mission trip right before the mission trip. I was, I was afraid of going on the trip because, and I didn't want to tell anybody I had HIV. Mm-hmm. And um, I went up to our pastor and I told him, he's like, you need to use this. You need to use this in Trinidad. You need to tell your testimony in Trinidad. And honestly, I want you to tell your testimony to the mission team tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was scared. Yeah. By the way, Emily was on that mission team. Yay. I did not know her. Wow. Um, whatsoever. Um, I was afraid. I, I didn't think people would uh, accept me. I didn't like, they're about to go on a mission trip with me. You know, they don't want to go on a tr- mission trip with someone who has HIV. Mm-hmm. It did the opposite. I 
got up and told my testimony and we felt like we became a team that day. Yeah. It brought it at like, you know, again, it wasn't me. It was like God bringing my testimony and they were able to like, he was able to stand up here and share this. Let's do this. One night we're open air preaching and uh, through the mic and telling our testimonies. And a gentleman had uh, come out of his house because he heard my loud, booming voice <laughs> over the microphone. You know, I don't even need a microphone. So then you give me the microphone when I'm like preaching to the next, you know, island over. <laughs> um, but that man has, a, has HIV and he heard my testimony and he decided to give his life to the Lord right mm-hmm. there. Wow. Let's let me let you go ahead and slide in, and then we'll, you know, <laughs> yeah. our our testimonies intertwine and they, we come together at the end. Yeah, so, really do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm Emily. Um, my story has a lot of similarities to Danny. Um, I was from a home that was broken. My parents divorced when I was young. I went through a lot of trauma. Um, as a child while living with my mother Hmm. before I was able to live with my father, my stepmom. So they raised me the majority of my life. Uh, So my stepmom was more than a mom than anyone had been to me. And so from an early age, I always knew I wanted to adopt Um, I always had it in my mind that I was going to have two of my own and adopt two. (laughs) And so it was always a really big thing for me to start a family. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a mom. I always had this drive to have like the family that I missed out on that I always wanted And so with that, I ended up getting married and probably, well, no, I definitely shouldn't have, but it was the ideal of getting married and starting a family and I wanted it then and I wanted it now. Mm -hmm. And I was just determined to have that life. And even though in that relationship and marriage, there was a lot of red flags. I ignored it because I just, the desire to have a family and have children were so strong. Uh, but yeah, the the marriage ended after two years. Um, he was unfaithful. And during that whole time, I found out that I had polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm made getting pregnant really, really challenging and difficult. I ended up having to have a surgery because I had a lot of cysts um, on my ovary and they had to remove it completely. And so I only have half of um, what I needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So because of that, they said I could have still had children, but my body didn't still function properly. Uh, didn't time correctly like it was supposed to. I had been on different medications and different things, and I was in a lot of depression. And so 
my husband had completely turned away from me and started living a different life. But that's actually was an amazing thing to happen. And I couldn't have been more happy because I was stuck in a marriage that I was miserable. I was depressed and I was lost. And so going through that, it actually brought me to Christ. And so that's how I wound up going to church because I went to church as a kid, but it wasn't a relationship. It wasn't something that was really meaningful to me. It wasn't anything connected. I just did it because my, my stepmom went to church. That's what she did. So I just followed suit. And so I didn't learn what it really meant to follow Christ. And so that divorce put me in a really dark place and I didn't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I just woke up one Sunday morning and went to church. And from there on, it just completely changed. Like my life had meaning again. I was really excited about this relationship that I was building with God. And it put me on different paths to go put myself out there. I'm very introverted. Um, Start going to Bible studies and signed up for this mission trip to go to Trinidad and Tobago. I had never been really outside of the country um, to do anything. So it was a really big experience for me. And I was newly divorced, probably, I think it might've been seven, eight months into being divorced. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yes. Um, Yeah, it was probably, yeah, about eight, maybe, I think about eight months of being divorced. And I still wanted to eventually get married again. (laughs) Um, But I learned that I had to be very specific in my prayers. And so definitely through my journey, um, building my relationship with Christ, but also putting myself out there, going on mission trips, I learned that I had to be very intentional with my prayers. Mm -hmm. And so I flat out told God that I wanted to marry a man that had a heart for adoption. Mm -hmm. And if it was a medical condition, that would be really helpful because then it would be an excuse to not have to worry about the man having to be so concerned about creating a child from himself. Sure. Check and check. Yeah, that I is always, specific and intentional. That is. Yeah. Ooh, what a good word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I needed um, a husband that was already there. When he gave him his testimony to our group, right then and there, things started. Hmm. Because God was telling me to share my testimony. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not getting up there to tell my testimony. Um, I was literally arguing with him in my head as he's giving his testimony. And as soon as he was done, um, our pastor's like, we've got time for one more. And my hand shot up. Like I lost all control of my body. I had 
no control over it whatsoever. And my hand just shot up. And I'm, I remember looking at my hand like, what just <laughs> Who's happened? Whose hand is that? <laughs> yeah, like, what, what happened? Um, and I gave my testimony. Wow. But that showed the powerful connection that was between Danny and I mm. already. Yeah. Because wow. he had impacted me that much already that I was already stepping out in faith yeah. um, by his encouragement with whether he realized it or not. And on that mission trip, it happened over and over again, where I kept being put into different situations with this really, really odd guy. (laughs) (laughs) Really out there and wasn't sure. It's not odd. Immature. (laughs) Immaturely mature. mature. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Immaturely immature. Yeah, I can't even say it. Just, he's, it's odd. Just yeah. very odd. Yeah, odd and yeah, like from there, it definitely started what brought us together. We get back and yeah. I ask her out. You pursue me and I avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> Like you had to talk to God, correct? I, I really had to pray about it about giving him a chance and honestly just giving anyone a chance. Yeah. Um, but God reassured me that, you know, to give him the opportunity. And so I did. And I was very blunt and very upfront <laughs> right away <laughs> um, because I've been there, done that. I'm not yeah. wasting my time. And so we do start dating, but two weeks into it, we were talking. I was like, so what's, what's your intentions? Like, what, why are you even interested in me? And he's like, I want to marry you. Like, I'm by my. I'm, I my, said, I'm not dating you just to date you. Right. I'm, I'm marrying you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. And I was like, well, biggest question, what's your stance on children? Well. And Good for you. he's like, I want to adopt. Wow. Actually. Wow. And I busted out laughing. I was second gaze in this relationship. <laughs> he, <laughs> I was like, what? How did you laugh at me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Danny, you're used to it by now. The uh, amount of people yeah. who laugh he at you. so angry. And I was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I literally have been praying for you. Wow. wow. I prayed for you. And so that kind of brought us to where we're at now. Isn't that crazy how like powerful Mm. your story can be? I remember telling you my story and being like, man, I'm kind of embarrassed because I literally did nothing in my life, I feel like. And and you gave me such an encouragement, Danny. You were like, but God can use any story. Like, mm. but your story is special to me. Like, yeah. I'm blessed to hear your story. And I think about you, Danny, every so often about that. Like, well, how how can I like hold back my story because I don't think it's whatever I've decided it is when like yeah. literally the most miraculous story I know to date is like telling me that my story is amazing. And so mm, yeah. like I do appreciate you guys so much for for standing in in a gap of so many people and telling your story and being bold and yet coming alongside someone who is a little different than you. Absolutely. And that was even part of the podcast. Like the second episode was us Mm -hmm. sharing our stories. And I don't think if 
like especially as a very extreme introvert yeah if it wasn't for like seeing the power of when we were in community and in small groups and and with other people who who were living out their faith authentically and being transparent and sharing their story i don't i don't know if i would ever share my story right and so you know it's it's cool again just just how that snowballs you know and when you're in community and and you see that firsthand like the power of that and knowing that like every person has their story for a reason with yes. with all the good and the bad that comes with that yes. and there's yeah. there's a reason for that you know it's amazing yeah, yeah. agreed and agreed. It, it's just so cool to hear again like i've heard this before a couple of times and it's still so cool to hear how adoption is so deep in your stories mm, yeah. um yeah. separately and together but yeah. even though you have felt so called and so like willing to adopt it's a journey it's a daunting yeah. journey yeah. so talk to us a little bit about when you started that like official process the hoops and and everything that you yeah, had red tape because that's an extensive process right i mean I, i'm completely ignorant of that very the process itself was very long we first it was you know getting us both on board saying it's time to start sure because we wanted to enjoy our marriage for a few years and Danny wasn't quite sure about it yet, but I was telling him that it takes a long time mm. that by the time we're done with this, you're going to be ready. You're going <laughs> to, she was right. <laughs> you're going to be happy that we started this process already because mm-hmm. to do it, we, we chose to go through the foster system. Right. Uh, we did not want to do international adoption. We didn't want to do an agency because honestly, we didn't want a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a very busy lifestyle, very active lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And being a little bit older, we just really didn't want to go through that phase yeah. of life of having a kid. Absolutely. And we also had such a huge heart for kids that have that are older and that are harder to adopt. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to go through the foster system. Problem with that is it's slow. (laughs) So it took some time to get into the class. Then the class is nine weeks. After that nine weeks, you have to do a home study where they literally grill you about your past your present and what your future is going to be like. Um, They dig through everything. They go through um, your contacts. Like you have to put down references and everything. And we had a pretty big class. We never got called for our home study. (laughs) We actually had at one point our fingerprints FBI check um expired we had to go back and redo them yeah it was about a year before we finally had our home study we were literally in the middle of moving (laughs) we sold our house and we're moving into a bigger house so that means they had to update our home study (laughs) (laughs) on top of it but thankfully that didn't take too long okay but this was like fall time and 
it was just when we were starting to hear about COVID mm-hmm. and they were trying to match us. They were sending us different kids, but we're like, no, we just don't feel right about this one. We really want siblings. They're breaking up these siblings. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be three different homes for each kid. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't feeling right. One day we get an email from our coordinator and she says, I have two kids in another county. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, send it over. Let me see their case study. So they have to send us paperwork and it's basically a whole narrative on these kids. And it's like a synopsis of their whole story. And so we went through it. It was a little girl and a little boy. And so she put us in contact with their caseworker. And then we had to go through the interview process. And because it was COVID, we had to do it just like this. We had Mm -hmm. to do Zoom and do virtual uh, interview. And we found out that we weren't the only family getting interviewed. (laughs) There were multiple families being interviewed for these two kids. And weeks went by and we didn't hear from them. And so finally I was like, you know what? I'm gonna call them. I called them and they're like, oh yeah, we picked a different family. Oh my, yeah. They didn't tell us, like I was heartbroken because I truly believe these were our kids. I truly thought they were gonna be the ones. And- There were some tears. There were definitely some tears. We had nightly walks. We would talk and pray. And as we're walking, like I got angry. I was like, I thought this was it, God. Like I thought these were our kids. I thought, and I was just like so upset. And I think it was like a week later, they call me up and they're like, Hey, we just want to let you know we picked another family. I'm like, you're going to rip the bandaid off again. Yeah, right. Why? You guys already told me this. Like, why are you putting me through this torture? But then they're like, would you be interested in their two older siblings? Because we're splitting the four up. And I was like, well, how much older? And they're like, nine and 11. I was like, that's older than what we wanted. But yeah, send it over. Let us look it over. And so... We looked it over and we're like, you know what? I'm okay with this age, nine and 11. We can do that. That's great, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so we told them yes. And then they had to interview us again against other families <laughs> again. So like you was, <laughs> this time, you know, we weren't so confident this time. Sure, sure. You were humble from the last experience. And I was like, but you called us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we... We prayed about it, but this this time it felt different. It I had I had a, an overwhelming calmness about it. Before mm-hmm. I was just anxious. Yeah. Anxious. Like, how are they gonna call us? What's going on? Yeah. Who are we gonna find? This time I just felt calm. Wow. And literally it was a, a week or two later, I think. I was in the car with one of my really good friends. And I got a call and they're like, 
you were selected. Yeah. We've picked you, and I was in tears. Yeah. We're finally getting our kids. We're yeah. finally getting wow. our kids. But then even more work came along after that. Yeah. With it being COVID, each foster family had their own rules and regulations. Oh, we had to open up a book. We had to oh, a book. yeah. So they gave us the synopsis of them. But then before we could further go in the process, we had to read through their big blue books. They call them the big blue books. It's a binder, mm -hmm. literally this thick. Of each child. Of an 11-year-old? So <laughs> we had to read everything from the time they first went into the system. Okay. Our wow. son and daughter had been in the system since they were two and one. Wow. And so- Our son had been in- He had lived in eight different homes, including a group home. And they also had three failed adoptions prior to us. So that messed us up because now, like, they don't want a fourth failed adoption. Yes. So we're going to mess you guys really up. So know. they dug their heels in. Um, the process was very slow. It was during the summer of uh, uh, 2020, right? Yeah, 2020. Um, the summer of trying to get these kids. So we read through the books. We're like, yes, yes, yes. Like we went through those books so fast. Like every night, the second we yeah. got home from work, we're eating dinner as we're reading through these books. And we're like, yes, yes, we want these kids. These are ours. Yeah. And so then it came to dealing with the foster family. They all had their own individual rules and they were allowed to have their own rules. Right. And our foster mother was very COVID conscious. Mm -hmm refused to let us see them for a while we could only do virtual meetings which is really awkward because we're introduced as just friends they have no clue what we're doing why they're meeting us they don't know we want to adopt them right and so we're like hey get on you know skype, skype or zoom and meet these people that you have no clue who they are right. <laughs> And so we had to do that a few times. And then eventually she let us be face to face, but we still had to keep six feet apart. Try well, doing a beach day. No. Six feet Our apart. first one is a drive in theater. Yes. We went to a drive in, went and saw Singing in the Rain. Emily <laughs> built those uh, cup, um, my, the my string cups. String cups. Oh, that we could cute. talk to them six feet away. Oh, yeah. That's, that's clever. Sweet idea. Yeah. Yeah, so we did that. Then we did like a beach day, but she drew a line in the sand and they could not cross that line. If they did, they had to sit out and time out. Oh, so wow. sorry, she she literally drew a line in the sand. Literally, literally drew a line in the sand wow. and said, You may not go past this mark. Wow. And you know, going in the water that makes it really hard because you have the current. <laughs> And you so, can't see the line. Right. <laughs> and so we literally always have to be like, no, no, go back, go back before you get in trouble. Go back. Wow. And so that made it really difficult. Yeah. Eventually we got to the point where she let us do day visits by ourselves. Because mm -hmm. that was the thing. You had to do supervised visits, then unsupervised visits, then um, all day visits and then you had to do weekend visits where they slept over for the first time and so like let's say we want to try to we're trying to get this process rolling we get off work on friday 
Well, she was working at home, like barely getting the hours. Um, so our savings during this time went because driving an hour, hour and a half, to, well, basically three hours. We would trip. we would get off work on Friday, drive, go see them on Friday, come back, drive back to see them on Saturday, and then try to go drive back and see them on Sunday. Try to get our visits in. Because they had to see us with them a certain amount of time before they were willing to let them move in with us. Right. And so we would have the weekend visits where they actually stayed the whole weekend. We would get them Friday night and then they would stay until Saturday evening. And their biggest thing is you haven't seen enough behaviors. You right. haven't seen enough behaviors. They were being good. They're being too good. You don't really know what they're like. So you almost like with a, pro, you know, like cattle the, prod trying to right. get, a, get a reaction out of them. And literally every little <laughs> behavior. So I had to write them after every visit oh an email of what we did, how it went, what were the issues, how we handled it. And so I was like, well, we finally had a meltdown from our daughter. This is what happened. This is how we handled it. But we really like had to let them have these massive behaviors and meltdowns to show that we're not afraid of them. Right. We're not afraid of parenting them. These are our kids and we're not giving up on them. Right. And so it took a long couple of months for them to finally let them move in. But it was horrible because we wanted them before the school year because we got them into the perfect school that we wanted. And they were about to lose their scholarship to pay for it because it was a a private school Mm -hmm. that met all of their special needs. Mm -hmm. And so they were getting very close to losing their scholarship to go to the school. And so they started at their other schools for a month. Before finally, they were like, okay, fine, you guys are ready. And we were hoping maybe spend the summer with them, you know, like just being able to hang with them. No, move in and you're going to school tomorrow. And that was the thing. We were like, please, just even if it's a week before school starts, let us have them so that they can transition to our house rules and get acclimated to their new home. No, it was, they started a month at their other school. Then you get them on a Friday night and then here you go. School Monday morning. And so our daughter had the worst time. Like this, this new person is my mommy and she just dropped me off in this new place, a scary school that I've never been to. And requires them to work. And so she just cried and was clinging to me don't leave me and so it was very traumatic yeah she was at the beginning she was really our let's say problem child like she was she was a challenge she was a challenge um had a temper um aggressive aggressive Mm -hmm. uh, and then had uh separation anxiety from the foster mother oh i bet Uh, um and so one day she locked herself in the, uh, in the, in the school bathroom. Security officer had to like get in there and like she's beating up the security officer. <laughs> oh, to, like, escort her out. And... They 
carried her out by her arms and her legs oh. to you know, the security officers. <laughs> oh man, when I got that call, I was like, oh, that's it. We're getting kicked out of the school. <laughs> she did it. Um, but no, it was, their school is the perfect school for they, them. They're amazing. They showed so much love, so much grace. I would say 75% of that school is adopted. Wow, really? <laughs> so they really had a, a heart for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, That's amazing. But yeah, it was a huge, huge transition. It was a long process to get from taking these classes to getting our kids. Yeah, sure. yeah. That's got to be so hard from the kids' perspective, too, right. making this transition. Like, man, I, I, I can't imagine how hard that is. Like, for you as parents, how do you guys work through that and, like, coming alongside your kids and making them, like, know that they're loved and feel loved and supported and secure, like, not only throughout the process, but then beyond that. It's not just, like, we made you feel loved in the process of it. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, come September will be three years and we're still having to remind them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. uh, We're still reminding them that they are loved and unconditionally. And, um, and especially with, you know, now our son who gets in trouble a lot, I have to remind him, even though you're in trouble, we still love you. There's nothing you're going to do that we're going to get rid of you. Mm. You know, Especially with like his failed adoption. Yeah. Like yeah. how long was he in that adoption? Um, well, each one was a little different. Like there was one home he was in for two years wow. that the foster parent was supposed to eventually adopt him and his three siblings and do other medical circumstances. She couldn't do it anymore. And so they went back to a different foster home. And so there was a lot of trust issue. Oh yeah. Um, we constantly had to remind them because that's the other thing. Like they had to live with us three months before we could officially adopt them and change their names mm. and everything like that. Right. And so <clears throat> leading up to that, they literally tried anything and everything to test us mm. to see if we would send them back. Yeah. Mm. And like, Man, my my daughter said some hurtful things mm-hmm. and some mean things and had some crazy behaviors. And she was just testing us. Yeah. She was seeing if we were actually dedicated to yeah. her mm-hmm. and willing to still keep her and love her even with her behaviors. Yeah. And we had to tell them. And it was easier once they were adopted. Yes. Because we we're like, no, you guys are Gwen's. Your names changed. Did they ever change in any other home? No. Uh, they changed uh, here. So we're not, you're stuck with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we literally were like, you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there was times my daughter has said, I want a new mommy and daddy. Yeah. I don't, oh, I don't want you. And I was like, too bad you're a Gwen you're stuck with us <laughs> deal with it <laughs> just moved on from it I'm like no deal with it you're stuck with us mm-hmm. and so it it's gotten better for her but now we see that our son has kind of flipped and mm-hmm. he's been quite a bit of a challenge lately but honestly still to this day we have to remind both of them that we are here, mm-hmm. we love them, 
okay, you had a bad day, you right. messed up, you did something really wrong, but that doesn't change the fact that we love you. Now, we still have to have consequences and we still have to deal with the issue. Sure. But you're Gwen and we love you. Right. It's helped with community as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they are able to see that they are loved not only by us, by but by people around us as yeah. well. It's amazing. It's and they basically it takes years and years for these kids to fully trust you. Right. Sure. And that's where a lot of our especially with our daughter, a lot of change started happening when we started uh connecting more um with with her and like start realizing that it's she just doesn't trust us yeah so everything we do everything they do wrong um we have to build that trust yeah right. and honestly who who could blame them right. in that situation right. so and I mean, again I blame them at all. And, and you guys went into it pretty eyes wide open but what would you say were still some surprises still some misconceptions that maybe you were like well i would tell someone going through this journey or not even for you that for other people that like man i hear this a lot that people have this misconception Mm -hmm. about foster about adoption about those things i think the biggest thing coming out of adoption is you got to find out how messed up you are (laughs) wow oh that's good you you how much of your past comes back Mm-hmm. that we need counseling, yeah. you know, because their childhood traumas bring up your childhood traumas. Wow. And I tell you what, the, the greatest piece of advice, why we didn't do it sooner and like it saved us, we joined an adoption group. Mm-hmm. And like, because you feel when you adopt children, you are alone in this world and you are friends of ours, you know, and other friends have, have children. You guys have babies Mm -hmm. and you're like, you, you started from the, you started, you know, from the beginning with them. They have what they need. Yeah. Our kids don't have what they need. And so no matter how much you could sympathize with us, you you're not there. Yeah, no, it's that's exactly. that's not part of our story exactly. Yeah. That's right. And so like and you'll even we get advice from people. Hmm. You know, like that haven't know, gone through it. Can you advice with, with good intention? Oh, sure. With good sure. intention. Yeah. But um it doesn't fit our kids. It our, doesn't fit our kids. Our yeah. kids don't fit the mold. They're and, not typical. They yeah. They've got a lot going on. Yeah. And I think some people's misconception of adoption is that sometimes you have a hero complex. Oh, I'm going to give them a house. I'm going to give them love. I'm going to give them food, provide for them. They are going to heal and they're going to thrive and they're going to do amazing. And I, we're, we're strong and we can, we're a, got a good marriage and we can do it all and then you get the kids and that's the other thing like oh I've had a trauma past so I can handle trauma Mm. and I've been through counseling and 
I also work with kids that have special abilities. So my kids that have autism and ADHD and dyslexia, dyslexia, I can handle it. Yeah, so that's not quite how it goes. (laughs) Um, No matter how much healing I got from my trauma, they trigger it in a different ways that I never expected. And so my daughter is having a screaming fit and melting down. Next thing I know, I'm practically looking like her having a screaming fit and melting down. And there's, there's no amount that's enough for these kids. There's no amount of love that, it will ever be enough. Hmm. Eventually they'll heal, but I think some people think it's going to happen quickly hmm. or, Oh, within a year they'll be settled. They'll be fine. And each kid is different. Yeah. And I think people need to understand that when you choose a child, especially a child that's been through so much, you're going to have to walk through fire. Yeah. You're going to have to wake up every morning preparing yourself. And honestly, you're not really a hero. No. Technically, in the child's eyes, we're villains because that means they will never be with their birth mother again. Wow. That's something you don't think about. Wow. They they cut all ties. Once you become, once they became Gwen's, they, they are no longer with their birth parents ever again. They lost their biological connection. So they, the, 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 the strands have been cut. Mm-hmm. And so that you just, you create a new wound. Mm-hmm. Unintentional, like, right. you know, doing the right thing. Right, right. If this is truly a desire of your heart to do something like this, you need to have your support system in place mm-hmm. right away. You need to have an adoption group or families that are going through it as well because it is very isolating yeah um we definitely felt lost and different from everybody else yeah Mm -hmm. um we didn't feel like we could connect to most of our friends that have kids because it's a different different. journey yeah yeah and and again again we got our kids during covid so there was already isolation Wow. So we literally thought we were on an island by ourselves, like yeah. at times. And so I think making sure that you have like minded support, mm-hmm. making sure that you are getting counseling. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's almost three years into it, and I'm finally getting counseling. Nice. And it's been major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's helped me work through my traumas so that I can then help my kids through their trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's really huge because it's hard to admit that you have your own faults and your own issues. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big thing is that you need to be able to have these things set in place. Mm-hmm. And have your people that you can trust yeah. enough to take a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know all parents need date nights and time alone, but really when it comes to these kids that we have, 
time together and time spent away from each other as well is really, really important. Yeah. yeah. Because if not, you're going to lose yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. The adoption group that we go to, they give like they, at the beginning of every group, they give us a list of questions we're supposed to be going through. But literally what we, all the people end up doing is just talking about, you know, my life is this, my life is this, you know, our kids are doing this. So what did your son do this week? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've been there. Oh, and it's, sure. it's so therapeutic because you thought it's only happening to you. Right. You walk away like, man, yeah. we're not going we're, crazy. And, and you're like, maybe I don't have it so bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a oh, lot man. of me-toos and wow. And I thought we were having a struggle this week or this month. And it's like, okay, things could be harder. Things yeah. can be right. more challenging. And that's yeah. all community, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. you guys yeah. are seeing yeah. it amplified like Yes, like a million times. But like, I, I feel that at every level of community, that's what the beauty of community, true community Absolutely. is when you get to come together and share um, real life. And, and yes. you know, there was a season where where, you know, that was something that we got to do together. And then now you have found what is the right thing for you. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that we really should bring up about community is like, good job for you guys not giving up on people or saying, Hey, the Snyders don't understand. Like I'm done. Right. You know, like we didn't understand, yeah. and and we yeah. love you guys, yeah. and we know you love us, but like we didn't Absolutely. understand. And so good for you for finding people, yeah, and searching that out, and and getting the the people that you need in your life. And like, I just I just applaud you for that. And, Absolutely. Well, and I, I feel like there's seasons of community. Absolutely, there is. There is. Yeah. But by like hearing your story, hearing the struggle, like that does raise our level of empathy and hopefully for the people listening too, of if they do know people who've gone through that process or they themselves are thinking through it, like while they can't, you know, while we can't come alongside and like, guys, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through. Instead saying, guys, I don't understand how you feel. I don't understand what's going on, but know that like, I love you. I support you what can I do to be there for you? Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and help you key. in that journey. And again, that I think is the beauty right. of authentic community. Even, even if we can't like, cause no one's going to have the exact same journey. I mean, you can share with people and, and know that you're not alone in instances and circumstances and find your group and find your people. Right. But yeah, just yeah. coming alongside each other. Yeah. What does it mean to you to like intentionally thrive in your life? That's such a powerful question. Um, With what we're walking through right now with our kids, intentionally thriving is a day-to-day thing for Mm. us. To pour into our kids and help them grow into hopefully um, adults that will one day be able to be successful and grow and really be able to turn around and say, like, I came from a really good place. Like my parents were there for me. Mm -hmm. So thriving is the biggest goal is just to be able to, I don't know, just to see the most healing out of our kids Mm -hmm. And however that happens, 
whether it's the simple tea parties or going to football games and soccer games. It's just all about being intentional with our kids mm-hmm. so that we can all thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going through these daily battles, it can be really, really draining sure. and it sucks the life out of you. And so just like any individual or even animal or plant, like if you don't have your needs met, you can't thrive. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have sun and water, a plant's not going to thrive. Well, if these kids don't have the patience and the love and the guidance, they're not going to thrive. Us as a husband and wife, if we're not feeding into each other the way we need while we're going through these battles with our kids, we're not going to thrive. So it's all about intentionality, I feel like. Mm Is just making sure that we're taking the time for each other and then really taking the time with our kids on a day-to-day basis yeah. Yeah. so that we can thrive. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That is. Absolutely. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to the, say like. Drop the mic. Yeah. yeah. Follow, follow that, Danny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, me, I, I see love. Um, I. We are we are told to intentionally love one another, mm-hmm. and you know, as has as Christ has loved us, mm-hmm. um, and love is you know can be you can say love all you want, but intentionally living that love, yeah. I think is key. Um, with my kids, I have to show them love even when I'm mad, you know, and they really really. You might want to strangle them. When I, you want to choke them out. You know? <laughs> pull your hair out. Yeah. Like, oh, that's know. like that's my thing. I actually got hair now, so I can pull my hair. Nice. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but like, not just a word, but an action and deed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, uh, it's it's giving them that extra hug and showing the grace and mercy that God has showed us. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> our kids have showed us God's love so much. Mm. <laughs> you know, we have these tattoos, you know, Emily and I both have them, but John 15, 13, it's no greater love, love for the lay of life down for a friend. Mm. Right. Or for me, I think it's easy to jump in front of a bullet. For me, I think that's easy. Mm. It's actually to lay down your life to love your friend. Like um, too. That's powerful to love your kids, to sacrifice what I want to do. You sacrifice, you know, you, with kids, you, you know, with kids, you realize how selfish you are, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like I, that freedom is gone. And, um, especially, you know, with these kids, you have to sacrifice a lot of things, yeah. you know, um, you might have to sacrifice friendships, yeah. you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and you might have to sacrifice in t- different types of relationships, you know, so being intentional in that and not doing it because you have to mm-hmm. do it because you want to, yeah. like, you know, like we remind ourselves, like 
we wanted to adopt these kids. We joked around like, you know, like, no, it wasn't an accident. Yeah. <laughs> we read that blue book. They were a long process. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and we chose this and, um, and standing by that choice. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and reminding those kids that we did choose them. Mm-hmm. Man. And so like living by that. That's so powerful guys. Like, thank you so much for sharing your story, yeah. um, for sharing your experiences with adoption. And yeah, we love you guys. We miss you guys. Yeah. And um, man, just, just all the best. Mm-hmm.